This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get started here in just a minute. Before you do that, uh, go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there. You can go to the donate page and leave a, a gift if you'd like to do that to help us financially. That would be greatly appreciated. If you want to come stay at the Shepherd's House, go to the Shepherd's House and you can come stay at a beautiful cabin on 180 acres, two days, two nights. If you're a pastor and you can bring your wife if you want uh, for two days, two nights for free, Jim, like it costs them anything. They can just stay and stocked with food. You just got to go and apply to stay. It's filling up for the fall. We got a few open spots though, if you want to come in and stay with us. Um, so thank you for, for those who have, uh, uh, come and stayed and given us encouraging feedback around this as ministry really has uh, taken off and we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to get to uh, provide housing and lodging in a beautiful place to rest and uh, restore your soul in that way. Also, uh, you can access resources and all kinds of things on the website, books and articles and other podcasts. There's a podcast episode or two, Jim, that's uh, been recorded on that. So uh, you can access that as well. Uh, we want to jump into to topic, though, today, and we appreciate the feedback we get on Twitter, Facebook, on topics that you want us to tackle. This is one of those topics that we pulled from from Twitter, so thank you for those who uh, are giving us suggestions of things you'd like us to try to address. This one is is one that I think a lot of pastors, depending on the church situation, are are having to ask and wrestle with, and that is... You know, when do you try to hire a second pastor? So, Jim, I, I, if I remember the stats, it's, um, uh, you know, 75, 80% of the churches are 200 and, or less, mm. which means in a typical church of less than 200 members, there's probably one paid pastor. And depending on how small the church is, it may right. be a bivocational pastor, yeah. even that's the one paid pastor. However, uh, there are definitely situations within that range of of normal sized churches that we call them of pastors who are paid it's their their full time occupation and the church has resources to a point where they can hire a second person or a second staff person or a second pastor in particular maybe not full time but to can maybe go hire somebody mm. on a part time basis this is a more common reality for churches uh, that that have at least enough resources to to be able to bring someone else on staff, and the reason this is an important conversation is because uh, a lot of churches, when they get to that point, it's really important for them to hire well. It's really important to mm. use that one staff position that they have mm. to be able to fill uh, in an important way with the right person. So that's what we want to talk about uh, today, Jim. And so, would you first just let's biblically set this up? Um, is there supposed to be more than one paid pastor? How does somebody sort through that? You any texts for us to think about? Well, certainly, Brian, we can make the argument that there are meant to be more than one pastor uh, in any okay. in any given church. Start there. Uh, you know, so you know, Paul talked about appointing elders in every city in Titus chapter one. Uh, Paul calls for the elders of the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter twenty, and then uh, uh, the text, Brian, that I had just pulled up and. Uh, thinking through this is out of First uh, Peter chapter five. Uh, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that the, that is among you, serving as overseers, 
And that's being a, a word given to at least two men, if yeah. not three men. We don't know how many there were, four or five, however many men there were. But there's a command there. So you have a plurality of elders, but the command is to shepherd the flock that is among you. And I think that that's really the question you're trying to, to get at. What is sufficient to shepherd the flock that's been given? And in any situation, I think that what you have to say is that even no matter how small a church is, that it should, even in smaller senses, there should be at least two that are carrying that load for a variety of reasons. Even and one, one just may be paid. The other one just labor. may be yeah. paid, but yes, yeah. but that you know, that there's a, and I can't remember. We've even had that conversation. Why, why there should be a plurality? I mean, obviously the Bible says that there is, but to flesh out why there is, and and that's for the flock, and it's for the pastors themselves. Yeah, I right. think are the two main things that you want to get at. But at what point do you realize that in order to really do what shepherding, what does it mean to shepherd a flock, to have a flock taken care of, to have them fed and defended and, and loved and, and somebody available for them? Uh, when do you recognize that the capacity is such that maybe one paid staff man and the lay elders are not able to do that, mm-hmm. but that the needs of the congregation are such uh, and I think you, you're going to be relying on, uh, to some degree, on God's providence and the recognition that this is the reality, that the flock that's been given to me is not being shepherded well enough by one person, that there is sufficient work, sufficient labor, sufficient need to bring on another person. Yeah, and, and just in case I'm, I missed it, you maybe said it, but wouldn't you say First Timothy 5 is um, is important in this because it talks about the distinction of elders— some mm. paid, some not. Right, and so just so you know, in First Timothy, First Timothy five, there is a distinction even made that there are those who are compensated for certain reasons, and those who are who are not compensated but still share the load of shepherding the flock mm. that we're talking about. So this is an this is an important conversation because the majority of churches that that we work with is are, are churches that um, may have. Come up with a little bit of money to be able to hire a second a second man, and uh, that's a really crucial hire to use that well. But then again, how do you find somebody who can work for ten thousand dollars and mm. have to work for another work another job because of that? But you right. can, you try to compensate a little bit. So I want to pause here, Jim, before we keep going. Let's do a little bit of biography in our own situations. Yeah. Like so, talk about, and then I'll go after you. But talk about in your thirty plus year ministry at the same church. How have you had a second pastor? How many times have you had to think through? Uh, are we going to hire a second pastor? Have you had resources to be able to hire a second pastor? Speak yeah, so yeah, I'll try to give a a, a condensed version here. So I, I I was ordained in November of 1991. I came to the church in the summer of 1990, so 33 years ago that I came. 32 years ago coming up that I was ordained. I was ordained with another man in the church, a layman. So from the beginning of our life together, we had a plurality of elders. Uh, he had a full-time job. He worked at, uh, at LG&E, which was a gas and electric plant. This man just actually, uh, we had his funeral, uh, uh, went to his funeral a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, he uh, had to step down uh, at one point about four years in he stepped down from the eldership I was a sole elder for the next four years okay 
uh, and relied heavily on a couple of deacons in the church uh, that were very encouraging and helpful to me. And then uh, we took on, that man was able to come back into the eldership along with another brother in the church. Uh, neither were full-time. They were compensated. Uh, the, our, our church has always sought to compensate to some degree uh, to give something of a recognition of our love and appreciation as well as you know the time that they give to counseling and, and, and preparation, occasionally teaching, preaching. We then took on our first full-time, our second full-time elder, and I'm going to try to remember the dates here. It was probably somewhere around 2004 to 2000, uh, close to 2010. Okay. Uh, this was a young man that we had trained. Uh, I had mentored. Uh, he went and he pastored a church out in Montana uh, for a few years. That church actually wound up folding, uh, uh, dying uh, during the time he was there, came back. Uh, and a very gifted young man, and, and we worked together. Um, I, I could tell stories about that because it's really it was an interesting. Uh, he was so high energy. He had so much ability, uh, and our church was maybe large enough to excuse having two elders, but given this man's tremendous capacity, it wound up he 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 struggled with feeling that he had enough to do, and both mm. of us maybe fell at times. Yeah, okay. maybe it was too soon. We were stepping on each other's toes, okay. and and uh, and but he wound up uh, eventually going overseas with his with his family to do uh, missions work. I, I think again, two thousand ten, and then. We didn't take on another uh, full-time elder again until 2018. Right, okay. Uh, and uh, I've had a fellow elder, a fellow full-time elder, along with two lay elders yeah. uh, for the last five years. Yes, yeah, still. That's the setup That's now. it. Okay. That's the setup yeah. currently. No, that's right. great. So I, I took a church that was dying and um, was had deacons that were pseudo-elders but didn't qualify as, de- as elders, yeah. So, but no paid, you know, no other paid pastors. And... So I came in as a solo pastor, and I brought an associate with me, but they couldn't afford to pay him. But it was a friend of mine who came just to help and get some ministry experience. So I actually had an associate pastor who wasn't paid for three years. Mm. And then we finally, three, four years in, came up with a tiny bit of money just to compensate him because he was was serving in a significant uh, capacity through that. Mm. And... Um, and then he eventually he left after five years to go pastor a full time pastor in his own church, and then a couple years after that, I had uh, a little bit of money to hire a staff person of some kind uh, to try to have some help in some way. And what was interesting about my situation it wasn't much money at all. So somebody who, you know, <clears throat> called gifted to do this work, but would also have to have means to support his his family in other ways. We weren't going paying him close to what he would need to to survive on. Right. So well, it was a very part-time role and but we were able to because we had a lot of guys in and out who were being trained for the ministry and felt a calling. We had guys to pull from in the church for that role and guys changed that role, but I had a part-time pastor for for many years but just different guys as the years went. The other thing we had, we this is an interesting just part of our our story. We owned four houses around the church. Yeah. And because we were yep. a poor church, didn't have much money at all, we were actually able to use those houses to invest in them, to, to fix them up, make them livable. And we put, actually, uh, pastors in those houses. Mm. And their compensation to serve as a pastor was the housing. So we didn't pay them anything. Mm. 
but we were able to basically let them live rent free and that was the arrangement for a trade-off of like a certain amount of hours they would work in the church hmm. and so I, I mentioned that as an option too because it, we're a bit outside the box in that way we right. we never had the money to do what you did we hmm. never had the money to pay a full-time pastor we had to cut my salary 10 years in so it's just we were, money was always an issue for us and so that's another piece to this is okay i have to cut my salary what do i do with this part-time person i mean just that was really tough to try to make those decisions then you but when you're able to add some housing and other ways to compensate somebody for that it it, it enables us to be able to try to take care of and build the team of, of staff around the church a bit mm. more so we got creative around that stuff, which I, I thought ended up going really well. But I wanted us to share those two examples because I think those are two different situations, but one, two of, of, I think, many different scenarios of guys that are trying to wrestle through, how do I know when to hire? How, how do I know how much to invest? How do I find that guy mm. to be able to hire them? So let's kind of get into that a, a bit, Jim, now that we've kind of laid out a little bit of just bio and on, on our particular situations. Two different occasions for you, Jim, uh, where you all actually made the decision. But will you talk about the time in between that you had? Because we've been friends a long time. I remember conversations we've had. I remember several times because I'm in a situation where I don't have the money to hire somebody. And I remember we had several conversations through the years in that interim period of, right. Jim, you got the money. Why aren't you hiring somebody else? <laughs> Why would you answer that when I'd ask you that? Often? Yeah. Oh, Brian. I, 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 <laughs> Give me the money. Let me hire somebody. Right. That's then, what you know? I should have done. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, I had, um, I, I guess I felt that I had the, the, the capacity and the capability that of, uh, I, 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 I was raised in a, a tradition. I was trained in a tradition where men generally, you you we have Sunday school, morning worship, evening worship, Wednesday night prayer meeting, and generally that's what a pastor, that was what the expectation of a pastor. You did that, and then you did Bible studies, you went out and witnessed, you you know were involved in other ministries, and, and that was it. That was your job. It wasn't the job of two men or three men. It was your job. You, yeah. you, did, yeah. uh, you did that's what you got paid to do, and so that was very much in my mind, and my fear, Brian, early on when you asked that question was, and, and this was actually was realized during the time when we had our first full-time elder was, I thought, I, I'm going to go crazy. I'm not going to have enough to do. And I am not wired in a way that I'm like tremendously entrepreneurial. You point me in the direction, tell me what to do, I'll do it. But yeah. if you said, hey, I want you to just creatively fill your days where you don't have any ministries on the Sunday or you were doing three and now you're doing one yeah. and creatively figure out what else to do. Well, I, I knew myself well enough to know that might not go well for me. Yeah. And I didn't want to just twiddle my thumbs and I, 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 I wasn't a writer. Um, and I was trying to think, well, what am I what am I going to do? But I was being urged by others to, hey, it would be good and maybe the church will grow and, and maybe you can get involved in other ministries. And and my fellow elder, James was his name, James had a greater capacity to do some of that, but at times where we were two guys who had similar gifts and both wanted to do those things. In fact, at one point it was interesting. I, I was I preached at a church down in Florida at one point. Uh, did a conference and the elders there met with me and asked, "Hey, would you consider you know coming here? We need a full time elder. 
would you consider coming? And, and I didn't even think about it. I said, well, no, no, I'm not. It's nothing I'm praying about, nothing I want to do. Well, I came back and I mentioned it to my fellow elder and he said, you should do it. Yeah. And I realized at that point that we both were feeling the same uh-huh. thing that yeah. probably both of us uh, are, are, there wasn't quite enough to do for both of us huh. uh, to be able to be uh, full-time. That's why he wound up eventually getting involved in foreign missions and, and, and I think was due to some of that. I think if I had been gone, if I went to Florida or something like that, he he might, who knows, he might still be, he might still be here. So that was, mm. and, and then what happened between the time James left and the time Derek came on is, well, I had, I started having these health issues. Right. right. So uh, I, I, I had a heart attack. I had, uh, I've had three times in the hospital with my heart, um, you know, Bell's palsy, kidney stone, you know, all those various other things that have uh, come upon me in my uh decrepitude and grief. You should see Jim's graph when yeah. they point <laughs> the, the body image and then the, the different things that's happened to him. It's quite right, interesting. Right. It's, 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 it's pretty much as horrible as you can imagine, which is why Brian refuses to YouTube this. Um, but we are, uh, but the concern for the congregation was, I mean, honestly, it was almost like, well, he could go at any moment. And we, they didn't want to be caught in a situation where, say, I was suddenly incapacitated or I died, and we hadn't made no plan of transition. And mm-hmm. so the thought was, well, we bring somebody on at some point. Right, right. Now, again, th- this, some of this happened in a way that wasn't fully planned. But to say at some point, the conversation was at some point we need to bring somebody on uh, that we could work together and and it could be a transition. Uh, if something happened to me, I was laid aside or again, that there was enough need at this time with the size of the congregation, uh, enough counseling, enough meetings with people, enough uh, enough other things that we could justify having uh, two men to do the work. So you said something really fascinating there a moment ago that I want to hit on. When you're talking about James and you all having similar gifts, I think this is a really important point for this conversation is do you hire somebody who's just like you? Right. Who does, who feels gifted to do the things you do also do. Right. And by the way, I don't think it's a clear answer to that. I think the question then becomes, are you hiring a second person because there's just so much need in this area of what you're doing. You can't handle it all. So you do need a second person to come alongside you and, and help you in that work. Or is it a matter of hiring somebody to do the things that are not getting done that you're not gifted for, but you're trying to find somebody who then can right. maybe be who's gifted and wants to do that kind of work. Right. I, right. I, I put that out there because I think that is a really important and helpful question for someone to ask as they're asking this question that we're talking about. When and when and how do you hire a second pastor? Yeah, I think that's really you have to kind of first answer that question. Wouldn't you agree? Is is this do I need this kind of guy to fill this role, or do I need a guy to do this other stuff? Yeah, do I need two of me? Is there nothing that there needs to be two of me to do this, or does there need to be me and somebody not like me? Uh, who's able to do the stuff that I'm not particularly good at, and and that would you know things administration or whatever the case might be yeah. that, but stuff that still needs to be done in the church. And for me, the guys I would look to hire, and by the way, this is this will go here in a minute, but I was looking for guys who had pastoral gifting first. Right. I think so. One a lot of times we 
you finally get some money to hire another person, you all of a sudden think role or, or task oriented. So right. I need A, B, and C done. So I'm going to hire somebody to do that. Right. And there's not the thought of, wait a minute, do I, is this person qualified as a pastor? Right. Is this person a deacon? Sure. Is this person like using those biblical categories? Right. So I, I always first looked for a pastor, but then strategically using that person's gift, gifts to to fill some places in need that either I'm not gifted to or I just don't have the time to deal with that ish, issue or that area of ministry. And then you can hire somebody to be able to do that. I I do think there's, especially at, at larger churches, there's there's a brilliance to hiring a guy that's like an executive pastor. I, I see the, the rationale behind that. As long as that executive pastor truly qualifies as a pastor and as a shepherd, but has administrative gifts and is able to carry that load in a way that maybe the lead pastor doesn't have the gifting to do, and they're able to work as a team around those kinds of things. But but finding somebody who qualifies as a pastor was a big deal to me. It's almost like I wanted to find that first, then figure out what your gifts are, and appoint you in different places to be able to to step into those gifts. Wouldn't you agree? I, I, I do, and I, I, well, some of this is was newer to my way of thinking, and I, I'm still not quite sure where I'd la- I, I would land on everything if I, you know, if, if I had a really large church and how I would do things, because I always just felt like, well, they're just pastors, you know, I didn't, I never liked labels on pastors, you know, the pastor of this, pastor of that, right. pastor of yep. the other thing, and, and even, you know, you know I even I even push back on lead pastor and mm-hmm. associate pastor because I think, well, we're just pastors, and so we all do the same, we're all doing the same thing, we, we you know, so Derek and I both, we both preach the word, and we uh, shepherd the flock, and, and, and we share some of the administration, not as much. We, have, we do have one of our pastors who winds up, again, you know, he would technically be that, you know, wind up with those kinds of labels. It's just that I resisted those, those labels, and I saw just that, hey, we're just pastors. And I commend and, your effort to try to do that. <laughs> you are yeah, definitely I know the you lead push, pastor of your you church, push, by the way. I know you push back <laughs> with me on that, but... Uh, <laughs> And, but it's still not a term I, I use, and I, I never use it, yeah. other than when I'm talking to you. Yeah, right. uh, but only because you make me. Uh, but uh, no, just I try I to be just blessing don't, I know, man, I know. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I think we have to recognize that we have to remember that you know there are there are things to the functioning of the church as an organization, and then there's the care for the church. If I can use the term for the as an organism, you know that you need to make sure that people are are, are cared for. But even the administrative is on to the end that people are being cared for, yeah. and that the the ability of the church to take care of them well uh, happens in the midst of a functioning atmosphere. So, so let me go here. Lastly, uh, so what I what I do want to make a distinction on, maybe push back on a bit, because it's a very common way of hiring people is to hire someone, call them a pastor, but they're not in a shepherding role at right. all. Right. So I, I do want to push back on that, again, to try to stay focused on this one question. is like, how do you know what I, when to hire a second pastor? Right. Well, the another piece to this is make sure you're hiring somebody who's pastorally called, right. gifted, and understands the role of a pastor at its core, regardless on where your area of focus is, is shepherding the flock and, preach, and, and ministering the word. Right. And exercising oversight—that—that's those are the those are the key right. elements of being an elder and a pastor. The reason I say that is what is really common, and and again, I'm all for hiring staff to play. I mean, it, you want to—it's really good if your church needs this and it's big enough that you hire a children's coordinator for the children's ministry. 
But if that's their main job and they're not they're not pat, they're not shepherding the flock as mm-hmm. a role, right. then just call them a coordinator or something. Right. I think where it gets confusing for churches. Here's what I see a lot of: is somebody gets hired as the youth pastor or the worship pastor, whatever it is, yeah. and there's not any kind of shepherding role they're being asked to play, and yeah. they're actually they're, they're isolated in that one area. In fact, so yeah. I I would say if you're going to hire a pastor. Make sure the bare bones of that that role that they have, to your point, Jim, whether they do the same thing or different things as you, the the core of what they do is still shepherding people and ministering the word. Yeah. They may be Amen. doing that with students in general, or yeah. they may be the ones that lead the music on Sunday, but they're also shepherding people. They're also in yeah. people's lives. Uh, any thoughts around uh, I, that kind of idea of hiring people. Oh, uh, well, I, I agree 100%. Uh, so I don't want to, I appreciate you saying that because I, I, I would sound persnickety in saying some of those things. <laughs> See, I, I'm the one, I'm uh, yeah. calling out my own tribe. Yeah, well, on this I want to say, than well, you, you, so. you don't shepherd worship. You know, I mean, you, you, <laughs> how do you shepherd worship? You don't, you know, that you, it's, it's something you, a task perform, but it's not. It's not in this in the sense that the word of God means shepherd the flock that's among you. I uh, I understand somebody can maybe make an argument. I don't. I don't want to unduly offend or call uh, somebody to drive off the side of the road with that. But you know, you, um, you know, to take care of the people is what you're. When we're saying this, ha- hiring somebody else as a, a a pastor, it is under the end that we're able to shepherd the flock and, and exercise the oversight of the flock that ensure that they are fed, that they are, if I can't feed them well enough on my own, if I can't take care of them well enough on my own, then I need to find a way either through lay elders, a plurality of lay elders, or through somebody else coming alongside, or yeah. if I am being distracted by other things attendant to my call in the care of the church that means i'm not able to prepare i'm not able to uh to care for the souls of the way that i believe i should then I need, we need to find a way to do that yeah i think that's a good final word I'll, I'll reiterate that and say that the we believe the model is plurality plurality of pastors plurality of deacons even if you just have one paid pastor and everybody else is unpaid there it still doesn't change the fact that the designs appears to be all throughout the New Testament that there's to be more than one of these two offices of the New Testament mm. because the burden is too great to carry by mm. yourself. Mm. Quick, I, I literally had a had a Zoom call today with a friend of mine who is, is an elder in his home church, and he shares that low with another elder. They're both lay elders. There's no paid staff in this church. Mm. And these two men labor faithfully as elders in this 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 church and in a very isolated place. So I just want to reiterate that even if you don't have the money to hire anybody, yeah, the the design is still the same, and we want right. to try to pursue that biblical design as much as as possible, and then the functionality of that. So Jim, can you take a minute and and just pray for wisdom for those mm. listening to this around yeah. this decision? Father, thank you for your word and it addressing the issues that are needed, necessary for uh, the life of the church. Uh, and Father, pray that you'd give to those uh, hearing, especially those who are wrestling through this issue, the help and the wisdom to understand along with the, the congregation and, and those involved in leadership uh, when it's time uh, to make this next step for the good of your flock. Father, we do desire Again, that in every place where you have established a body, a local uh, community of, of disciples, 
uh, that you would watch over them through your under shepherds and that that flock would be well fed, well protected, and well cared for. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.